0: Anthony Peake, Cynthia Sue Larson, Mary Rodwell, Penny Pierce, and PMH Atwater. Five powerful voices, one amazing conversation, and a really big announcement right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hi, everyone. I'm Alexis Brooks. Welcome back to Higher Journeys. And of course, if it's your first time here, we welcome you. I got to tell you, I got a little jitters today going on, (laughs) and you know I don't. I'm never short on words, and I don't think I will be today, but today is an extraordinarily special day for me. It's a day that I get a chance to commune with not one, not two, not three, not four, but five of my absolute favorite people on this show for the first time. I've never done this before. And so I said, you know, why not try something new, particularly with a big announcement that we've got coming up. So without further ado, listen, all these names, uh, many of you know, they're all experts in their own right. They're all best-selling authors and all have been longtime guests on higher journeys. So I'm gonna get it right too, because we've got a lot of conversation to go through. I'm gonna introduce the guests and then we'll bring them on. Let's start with consciousness expert, Anthony Peake. Anthony studied at the University of Warwick and the London School of Economics. He's now written 11 books and his works have been translated into various foreign languages, including every major European language and a number of minor ones. All his books have one central theme. What exactly is consciousness? And what is its relationship with the seemingly solid material universe presented to us by our senses? Big questions. We're going to get into that a bit today. Next, we have quantum optimist, Cynthia Sue Larson. She is a best-selling author, I should say the best-selling author of six books that have helped people visualize and access whole new worlds of possibility, she has been featured on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, Coast to Coast AM, and the BBC, and has presented papers at international conferences on science, spirituality, and consciousness. Most recently, she was integral in presenting the first ever conference of its kind, the International Mandela Effects Conference, back in June of this year. Next, from our future, I always say, you know who that is, <laughs> it's Mary Rodwell. Thank you so much for joining us, Mary, at the crack of dawn there down under. Mary is known the world over as the alien lady, (laughs) but that's no small title. She is the founder and principal of the Australian Close Encounter Resource Network, also known as ACERN. Mary is a former nurse, midwife and health educator. Since 1994, Mary has worked in private practice as a professional counselor, a hypnotherapist, metaphysical teacher, researcher, author, rookie master, and an international speaker, discovering and uncovering mysteries and potential related to contact with non-human intelligence and the new human. Now, my go-to woman on all things intuition, Penny Pierce who is an internationally respected author, a visionary, a clairvoyant empath known for her pioneering work on intuition development and her common sense approach to spirituality and the development of expanded human capacities. She is a popular author, a lecturer, a counselor, and trainer specializing in intuition development, inner energy dynamics, expanded perception, transformation, and dream work. And now someone who I call my mentor, and one of the first researchers I interviewed PMH nearly 20 years ago, we're both dating ourselves. PMH Atwater is one of the original researchers in the field of near-death studies. Having begun her work in 1978 and completing 10 books on her findings, some of which have now been verified in clinical settings, she has won many awards, appeared on numerous TV shows and spoken around the world, always inviting people to look past appearances, the truth that underlies what we think we know. A big, hearty, higher journeys welcome to you all. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us literally from one side of the globe to another. So listen, guys, listen, journeyers, you all out there. Here's what we're going to do today. Again, this is the first time I have uh, decided to do something like this. And I'll tell you the truth. I have never moderated a panel before, but since I'm never short on words, and since we got five people to do the talking for me, what we're going to do here is a five Q or five question format uh, where I will be uh, giving each panelist, we'll call them panelists, about two minutes to answer some pretty big questions. So that in and of itself is a task. So guys, are you up for it? You ready? Ready for the first question?
1: Absolutely. All
0: right. Yes. Let's, let's get right to it. Okay, here we go. So 2020, we all know, is a year like no other, none other. Most, not all of us on this planet right now have never experienced anything like this before. What, if any, is the metaphysical significance of what's happening right now? What's metaphysical significance of what's happening right now? Anthony, why don't you go first, please?
1: Okay, by all means. I mean, the thing that's fascinating me at the moment is that I have a concept called the Damon Adelon Dyad. And in this, I suggest that there is a part of us that's lived our lives before. And that part of us is what we know as our spirit guide or or many other things that we want to call it. But effectively, I call it the daemon from the, the ancient Greek concept of the higher self. And I'm very, very intrigued that if this is the case, and I've been discussing this a lot with associates of mine and researchers, is that if there is a part of us that's lived this period before, how is it that we've not announced it. How come we're not aware of it in the way that normally you get inklings and hints that something devastating is about to take place or is indeed taking place? And I've come to the conclusion that it's because it's unique in human history, whereby we have a situation that there is no escape from the circumstances we're in. COVID is a worldwide epidemic And as such, it is everywhere. So for our higher self or our daemons to manipulate a situation whereby we could escape from it is virtually impossible to do. So the question is, what does this mean for humanity? What does this mean for us collectively? Now, if we believe the idea that in some deeper self, there is a collective unconscious, that Jung would say, that at a deeper level, we are all um, entwined with each other, that our consciousness is in some way are in quantum physics terms entangled which effectively i would argue is very very logical to conclude because if in the first moments of the big bang everything was a singularity or at the big bang everything was a singularity then it's logical to conclude that everything is as david bohm would argue you know it's somehow enfolded within itself professor david bohm so the question is what is going to take place now. And I think we are seeing at the moment the first signs of either a, a total breakdown in terms of how society is, or could it be that there will be in due course a development whereby humanity will start to see itself in a far more collective way. And that's my hope, is that the what will take place will be a rethinking of exactly what it is to be human, and a rethinking of the idea that we're all in this together and we either sink or swim together. And the same goes for the environment, it goes for everything else. We are all we are all related in one way or another. And I think this is the only way forward because I think we are facing what uh, the great Argentinian writer uh, Borges said, Jorge Borges said, it's the garden of the forking paths and we're gonna go in one, uh, we're gonna take one route or we're gonna take another.
0: Beautifully said, and I know, Anthony, you and I spoke about that on either our first or second show several months ago. Uh, I'll say this very briefly. I'm, I'm just going to make a quick statement and then move on. I feel so viscerally that somehow through all of this tumult, universe is giving us an invitation to evolve, forgive the cliche, but I say we have to RSVP. And so for those of us that see it in that way, uh, it can be a, a magical thing. So, okay, let's move on to Cynthia, your comments, please.
2: Well, first of all, thank you to um, everyone for coming together today. I really appreciate this group in particular. And this question is phenomenal, Alexis. Uh, You have a way of going straight to the heart of things. And this question about, um, just to rephrase, in case people lost it somewhere, because listening to Anthony is an experience in itself. (laughs) I feel like I always learn so much. Um, But basically, with the idea of 2020 um, having tremendous metaphysical significance, I would agree that we're definitely, most of us were not expecting this. And I think Terrence McKenna, he's one of the people that was predicting 2012, that we, you know, he used to talk about that. And he also said that there's this way of looking at the I Ching that you can see that nature loves unpredictability, that it loves to surprise us, that there are never going to be ways that we'll be able to possibly predict everything that may or might happen. And there are some reasons behind that. And I would concur with that. I also would like to agree with what we just heard Anthony raise the point and the significance of working together. Uh, When I listen to nature, as I do a lot, I, I get this very clear message that We need to care for one another even across boundaries even where we might think we have no jurisdiction because there's a mind-matter connection between all of us that's extraordinarily real those of us uh, that study consciousness in the form of mind-matter effects and interactions such as i do are noticing that we're now moving from a place where each individually of us might experience a reality shift or a quantum jump we're now noticing we can go through these together that it can be a collective experience and that there's something phenomenal when this happens uh, that we're starting to question a lot of what we thought to be true that facts would always stay the same and so we're now entering sort of this post-quantum world and i love to take a look at quantum physics and see what it's showing us um, as well as just mystically experiencing the natural world So when I bring these two things together, the answer is very clear. We need to care for one another. And as we notice the Mandela Effect is showing us that together we're noticing changes in reality. Um, So too, will this be a very useful paradigm and a tool for humanity to work with as we evolve to recognize that you can sometimes see a flip flop. You can see an experience, you get presented with a possible reality one way then sometimes you see it another way. Sometimes you'll see it go back and forth. There'll be groups of people experiencing this. And we're getting an opportunity right now in real time to choose and chart our own way forward, even though we don't quite know how to control this consciousness shift that we're all together on, but we're learning.
0: Something that you said, Cynthia, reminds me of something that Anthony touched on I don't know that you did just a moment ago, but certainly in one of our shows where you talked about something about this is familiar. is as foreign and unfamiliar as this experience that most of us, if not all, have never seen the likes of before. There's a familiarity. Um, you know what I'm talking about, Anthony? That 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 it's almost like a deja vu moment.
1: Absolutely. It's the idea. I mean, funnily enough, I was meeting with a, a, f- a friend of mine earlier on today and we were discussing exactly this this recognition, this kind of subliminal recognition that we've been through this before, That is, this is not new to us. It is something that has been resonating for all our lives. And I feel myself that I've been waiting and waiting for this is the wrong term, expecting it and probably dreading it as well. Because I think it's a dangerous time and it's a worrying time. But yeah, it's a deja vu sensation or more accurate, a deja vecu sensation already Hmm. lived.
0: I would love to hear from the journeyers uh, in your comments as to whether throughout this you've had even just a slight sense of deja vu or remembrance, recognition. I love the hyphens between the re's. I think it's very revealing etymologically. So anyway... That could be a whole conversation in and of itself. Mary, let's move on to you, my dear. Two minutes on the metaphysical aspect of all of this.
3: 2020. Wow. Um, What an amazing year it's been. And I look at the fact that for the first time, so many people are trapped within their homes, having to actually look at their lives and work out what it all means to me has been a really, really positive thing because it's the only way we're going to ever get a shift when people start to wake up. But I recall very clearly um, some years ago, a 12 year old explaining to me that he had been here on this planet many times. And one time he'd left something on the moon, which was to shift consciousness. But he also told me that this planet was going to go through some kind of event or shift. And he said, we've been here several times. I think he said three times before. But I believe this time there's a 95% chance we will make it. And the interesting thing is that many of those that have contacted me, adults as well as children, have talked about this shift in consciousness, this change that will change how we look and we experience reality. Many have had different names for it. And one of the interesting things was that only a few Weeks ago, I spoke to a 10 year old who explained to me that he was visited by beings of light. He came from a planet of light. And he explained to me there, they manifest instantly on planet earth. It takes a bit longer to manifest because of the density of this planet. But I asked him about now. And I said to him, so what is it that you feel is going on now? And he said so clearly, Mary, this is the reset. This is the reset and one of the things that I know many have forecasted is the fact that now that this planet and its consciousness and us with that consciousness now need to shift in our awareness and that is happening right across the globe with the numbers that are reaching me. People are aware of this shift, they know it's going to happen on some level, they've not got a way of being concise about it. Um, Dr. Lena Olson talked about the shift in frequencies, the, the low-frequency people and the high-frequency people, and some will prefer to stay in 3D. Others may choose to go to that higher level of awareness. But the thing that stays with me and the, the blessing for me of being in the work that I do, which has been so nurturing, is all these wonderful children that are coming to our planet now and the interesting thing is they're coming with the gifts and awareness to shift this planet into a new level. And the fascinating thing is they know they've come here with a mission, with something to do. And I always say, you know, when people say to me, well, it could go met one of many ways and certainly it could. But my feeling, my sense and my knowing says to me, these children haven't come to this planet for a waste of time. They know what they were coming here to do, and I don't believe they would have probably agreed to come if they thought, at the end of the day, it wasn't going to—they weren't going to make a difference. And I am sticking with that, no matter what anybody says to me, because I feel we may be going through the dark night, but I also believe that we have the dawn ahead of us, and I think it is going to be quite amazing if anything has to do with our new generations of human.
0: You always give me hope when you tell that story, and you've been consistent. I don't know how many times you've been on the show at this point, Mary, talking about the the new human, particularly the younger ones, that definitely f- feel or perhaps know that they there's in they have insight into what's ahead, and uh, it's those words that you've said to me so many times. That sentiment that gets me through often. So thank you for that. Okay, Penny Pierce, your turn, my dear.
4: <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I started in first of the year with this great excitement because it felt like I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting last year and I was ready. When's it going to happen? And this it, literally January 1st, I was like, it's ha- it's going to happen. Oh boy, you know, and the feeling was that I would, uh, that we were going to expand our scope tremendously. And I started having a thought, well, what will mine look like? Will it be I'll travel more, I'll do more of this, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then COVID hit. And what happened, I still maintain this excitement. But what happened was a lot of the old stories and residues from the past and ways that I old habits and things became very outmoded and boring, and i they just kind of melted away. Uh, I didn't go through a struggle to get rid of things. It's just like I would wake up every month or two, and my aura would feel like there was nothing there, like I had just totally gotten simple, you know, and clean and and, um, and open to anything happening. So I could see that the expansion of scope was not about doing stuff. It was about becoming more of the true self in the body. And um, and that continues. I also think that because people have been sequestered and have had to go into their inner world and not be distracted by so many things that they were always distracted by, that, uh, this is a kind of a common process. People are starting to feel the subconscious stuff surfacing that they never wanted to look at before and having to deal with it. Um, So I think that that's actually very healthy and that because it's a global pandemic, it has been able to create a global common experience of this feeling of restricting ourselves and dealing with internal things. To me, it's very exciting because how else could this have been created? 9-11 didn't do it. you know. Maybe aliens landing on the White House lawn, maybe. But this actually created a commonality of consciousness around the world, which is now it remains to be seen how will, everybody will use it and how we'll emerge from it. But to me, I have this, like you said, feeling of familiarity that... I'm already in the future looking back at this and remembering that, oh yeah, this is supposed to happen now. This will be the first big step in um, shifting the consciousness out of all the old antiquated linear perception into this new spherical holographic way of being in the world. And that change of perception is the transformation. And, And I know that a lot of people are going to die. There's gonna be a bifurcation of of people and groups and consciousness, which is already happening this year at, in a big way. And, um, and yet it's not a tragedy in any way because nobody's gone or lost. Everybody's at their own level. And it's, I think the evolution of the planet is very compassionate, but I have seen this uh, for maybe 20 years ago, I had dreams about that this was coming and I forgot that I, this was, that I'd been living lifetimes so that I could be here for this to happen. And um, so, and I think it will shift within our lifetimes. So I'm still very excited.
0: (laughs) I'm with you, actually. I'm with you. I, uh, again, this, I feel like I have literally one foot in one World and one in another, but uh, and I do vacillate. And there are days that I can get very down. And I, I even said to the journeyers, I had a little bit of a spiritual—I won't call it meltdown; we'll call it emergency emergence. But I agree. I concur, uh, Penny Pierce. This is a, indeed an exciting time, if we choose to look at what's happening. And this bifurcation is something that the late Dolores Cannon talked famously about—literally two worlds. And I always struggled to understand whether she meant a physical. Uh, a, a new world. What what was the name of uh, the book where she covered that? Was a convoluted universe? I'm not sure. But nonetheless, this, this sense that she had and perhaps uh, channeling that she was, <clears throat> excuse me, bringing through from some of her clients that she was regressing, that there would literally be a splitting off of the planet and maybe cr- creating a, a new world as well as the old world coexisting. Uh, so I think we're kind of caught up in this sort of dichotomous, convoluted, magical, incredible time. It's all of the above. It's not this or that, and th- this and that. And for that, I think it's a beautiful thing. Okay, PMH Atwater, I saved uh, the, m- the biggest smile <laughs> for last. <laughs> Go for it, PMH. I know you got a little bit to say about this.
5: <laughs> well, I live and move and think in cycles. Um, so for, for me every day is swimming on a different vibrational cycle or um, moving with, with that energy. So I don't tend to think like the rest of you do. Uh, and I think that's because I died three times, you know, in 1977 and ever since then. Um I, I look out my door, I look out my window, I walk out and and I see that the rhythms of of, of energy as they change and move and twirl. And, and and what I see and feel and know is that we're all caught up now in the great shifting. You know, I've been talking about this for a long time, and it's here and it's real, and and we're there, we're in the great shifting, and 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 that that final trigger was January the twelfth this year, and there was a big to do in Australia, and and with the Aborigines about this trigger, and the trigger went off, and now. We're, we're, we're there, we're, we're absolutely flowing. We're, we're not part of a movement. We are the movement, um, the great shifting. It happens once every 25,920 years. So, so we're, we're here in the big one, you know, and, and the age of Pisces hasn't fully left yet. The age of Aquarius is here, but it's not fully here. So we got both ages stacked, one on top of the other. And, and, and that creates an energy factor that, that is, is so immense um, that, it, that it almost drives you crazy sometimes. So, so we're, we're in this this energy that's stacked. And, and, and we have this feeling that we're being torn in all kinds of different directions. Well, actually, we're, we're part of this wave, this incredible wave. We're not being torn. We're being lifted. We're being moved. We're, be, we're streaming. And, and with that movement, we have certainly the option or else we'll be moved anyway but that that option of deciding where we might move or how we might move or how that might feel as we move and so i have that that really sense of the great shifting for me it's part of the cells in my body it's part of the the light in my eyes it's part of my hair it's part of my my body it's part of every sense and feel of the room i'm in and where i am and and i and i hope and, and my joy is to help everyone realize We're where we ought to be. We're doing exactly what we ought to be doing. We are either suffering or enjoy in rhythm with this great shifting that is carrying us. Whether we wanna go or not, we're being carried and moved in this great immense shifting. And, and part of that is, is, for me, is this sense of both anger and joy. Anger in the sense that um, I don't always like what's going on. But the joy of, of realizing that I'm here. I'm flowing on this great surge. And part of this surge will bring all of us out of where we've been into a new world, a world that will keep changing. We're not headed to a new level, no we're moving with a ground swell mm, that's yeah. going to keep surging and surging. Beautiful. Um, and for I'm- me, that's such
0: joy. Joy. I could let you go forever, PMH. I know everybody was listening intently. Uh, two of us in this room, if you will, this virtual room, had the pleasure of being in Australia on that day, January 12th. that I've talked about so much and will probably continue to because it was a visceral experience for me. I returned back from that long flight knowing unequivocally that we were on the verge and the horizon on the precipice of something. I had no idea what it would look like, but here we are. So I'm blessed. Uh, Mary and I both were in Uluru at the point of that conjunction at 1234 AM Uluru time, that's in the Northern Territory of uh, Central Australia for that conjunction. So here we are, we brought it back, or I brought it back to (laughs) this. Okay, let's move on, we're on to the second question. Here we go, ready everybody? So all of you, this is a consciousness question. All of you are keenly aware of how integral a role Consciousness plays in all of our lives. We've been talking about this all the way through. This is the ubiquitous elephant in the room. Consciousness—it's uh, integral in our lives, and the implications of what consciousness is continues to burgeon within research circles. From each of your perspectives, where do you think the biggest breakthrough has occurred thus far in our understanding of consciousness? Cynthia, I want to start with you, please. Where's the biggest breakthrough?
2: Okay. Well, there it's hard to pick just one. Um, I, I keep going back to the idea of identity because to me that's pivotal. We tend to make so many assumptions thinking that I um have ideas, you know, who, where is this I? Is it in my heart? Is it in my head? Is it all of this or is it more than this? And this identity concept, um, really brings home and drives home the idea that can we ultimately understand consciousness using the same tools um, to understand what it is we're looking at? And so it, it, it's a fascinating question. I see evidence that we're moving forward with it in the realm of physics with Kaslov Bruckner's great published work in 2019. He's a working with a team of physicists out of Vienna, Austria and collaborating with researchers in Edinburgh Scotland and what they found is that you can have two observational devices at the same place same time observing two truths which happen to be extremely different they're not the same and so this is bringing us into an awareness just like quantum physics is looking at the same idea right now as can you study quantum physics with quantum physics when you require an outside observer how do you do that? And uh, this, there's been a huge surge of new research in this area that's uh, just set the world of quantum physics on fire for those interested in consciousness, like all of us here are. And they're now grappling with some longstanding assumptions that had been made about working with quantum physics, even amongst those who just believe and shut up and calculate. So they're definitely looking at this matter of this idea that there may be no such thing as objectivity. And it may not even exist in the real world at all, which is good news for those of us who believe this metaphysical reality that we're splitting into two or maybe more possible worlds. And uh, the answer here would seem to indicate yes. So um, just one more quick thing, uh, just a note. I just love what people are saying about, especially what what, um, we were hearing PMH talking about, about the being quality. And this gets into the idea from indigenous peoples that we can, see the entire world in verbs and when we step away from the nouns thinking that we've labeled things now we understand them and um, even understand that we ourselves are verbs we are beings then we go from me to we to free we're moving into a realm of of um movement like a hollow movement that david bohm talked about and the indigenous people of the world also know about that they can they're said to be able to speak a whole day without uttering a single noun and communicating quite effectively. So I think we're moving in that direction again, kind of reclaiming what may have been lost to us for a long time. Beautiful.
0: Once again, we had this conversation, Cynthia, you were just on a live stream with me just a couple of weeks ago and you brought that up. You know what word comes to me, guys? I don't know if you're all familiar, you probably are. It's a relatively new term called panpsychism. I learned about this term Uh, through working uh, with Nassim Haram, and I interviewed him on location in Los Angeles a couple of years ago now, but I've been very intrigued with but that's not so much the term. The term, for those of you that don't know out in the audience, is essentially uh, the the hypothesis that all matter, both inanimate and animate, have a measure of individuated consciousness now, I think all of us in this room here understand to some extent that is true, but what is most exciting is the fact that uh, we're seeing more of a study of this within the classical uh, science sciences. Uh, those circles are now talking about this idea. So I think we are perhaps making a quantum leap. So anyway, just wanted to throw that two cents in. Okay, let's move on to Penny. Penny, give us your thoughts on what the- Well, brain I, don't,
4: I don't know that this is, has anything to do with science. <laughs> But um, to me, the the biggest breakthroughs or uh, it's starting to become well-known is that we have an inner energy blueprint is what I call it, that's that's caused, it comes from our imagination and from the non-physical realm that is a combination of our thoughts and our emotion and feeling and what we place attention on. And that it is that level that creates the physical result And that if it takes much less energy to change the inner energy blueprint than it does to try to mess with the physical plane and make changes here, that it can be, you know, almost instantaneous when you now work with that higher blueprint. So, uh, and that is, you know, coming through a lot of different channels at this point, different books, different teachers. but i think it's related to the fact that we're starting to understand that the spiritual realm is inside the the material realm that they are not separate they it's one world and the spiritual inner blueprint is inside the world and they are coexisting and moving back and forth and and sourcing each other you know um and and that whole spirit and matter is, is related then to soul in the body. Like we're starting to realize I'm not my left brain. I am the soul, I'm here. You know, I'm the one giving rise to my my experience of my life. And that's an interesting thing because it helps people start to take responsibility for their own experience of their own life rather than blaming others or telling the story of their terrible childhood and then holding those stories as limitations or filters that cause the reality they're in now to be parallel to that. Um, I also think the the other thing that's really important at this point is the power of attention, not intention. That when you place attention calmly on something and keep it there, you will penetrate into it and merge with it and then become whatever you're looking at so that the experience of separation collapses, and then you can know anything from within it as it. And this allows us at this point to have an experience of collective consciousness, you know, and to understand how we're all in this together and we're co evolutionary, that everybody's life is helping everybody else's life. Uh, I know some of these things are just with a few people now on the planet, those who are waking up, but that is going, it's spreading out in ripples, you know? So uh, I think people nearby to those groups who have really gotten it are going to get it and then they'll give it to the next level and the next level.
0: So um, that's exciting to me. It is exciting. And it's, it's something that you have, again, I love the fact that each of you have been so consistent in your more than mantra, your research. Obviously, there's revelatory information all the time, but you've been so consistent in your philosophy about the things that you know so well. And by the way, folks, I don't know, we've got the 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 sole male missing. Uh, (laughs) There he is. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> where you feeling like, you know, I just realized I'm the only guy here. I'm out. <laughs> Anthony, welcome back. Oh, dear. And luckily I had you last. I'm like, I'm looking at this going, okay, by the time we get to Anthony, he'll be back. Anyway, here's the one thing I wanted to say to you, Penny, with regard to uh, your your philosophy that's been so brilliant and so consistent. You and I, when I published my book back in 2014, did a little chat about uh, uh chapter that I wrote in the book having to do with the imaginal realm and the great work of French uh, philosopher uh, Henri Corbin who talked about the imaginal is not uh, imaginary but a literal dimension that we can penetrate, procure what it is we're looking for, whether it be a, a thought, a thing, whatever, and ground it in the physical. And I actually think of your name as synonymous with his work because of <laughs> your philosophy of, of putting intention not attention on something there's a, there's a connection there so no uh, the other way around i'm sorry attention not <laughs> into, whoops forgive me <laughs> see that's why you're the expert in this and i'm not you know what i mean anyway uh, i think i think that there's an inextricable link in his philosophy his idea and yours so i appreciate that okay Looking at the clock, let's continue on. We're gonna go to PMH now. PMH, two minutes, my dear.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know through near-death research that whether you're dead or alive, you're still conscious. Um, That is to say, we know through the research that if a person is dead, that is to say, no brain movement, no heart movement, no no breath. I mean, they're really dead. Even if uh, they're, they're in a morgue, you know, when they come back, then they could still see, smell, hear, um, that they had perfect uh, attention, perfect movement, perfect consciousness we know that now that, that when nothing is working you're still conscious and, and, and you can still think and do everything you could do before so, so there's no such thing as consciousness being uh, limited to being wide, wide awake wearing a body and having a brain. Nuts to that. Uh, Consciousness is everywhere. Consciousness is on all levels. Well, what we might call dead or alive doesn't matter. Consciousness is everywhere on all levels all the time. As we live our lives, as we think our thoughts, that builds into and is part of and nourishes consciousness. The whole universe is conscious. Everything is conscious. There is nothing that exists that isn't conscious. There is nothing that doesn't exist that isn't conscious. Consciousness is above and beyond what words can tell. It's what you feel. It's what you smell. It's what you vibrate with. It's what you sense. It's there. Everything has consciousness because everything is conscious
0: period end of story could it be that simple the big question is the scientists ask what is consciousness and i say the bigger question is what isn't perhaps (laughs) it's perennial wisdom that's simpler than we know what isn't consciousness okay mary call it wisdom (laughs) okay all right pmh well we'll We'll come back to that. I know we will. I know we'll have that conversation more. Mary, <laughs> go for it.
3: Thank you. Thank you, PMH, so much, because <laughs> that is exactly where I'm at with uh, my my sense of what consciousness is. And and I always go back to the wisdom and awareness of those that I work with. And apart from the fact that working in hypnosis has opened my parameters to realities through taking people into so-called past lives or future lives, different timelines, parallel universes, you name it, we go there. Um, and people talking about sometimes going into other forms when they are when they're having an experience where they may, as an eight-year-old told me, sometimes When he's on board's craft, that he moves from his physical human body into the form of a mantis being. For a time, he evaporated. He said, with his essence into the other form for a time, and then would be um, would actually then come back as a ball of light um, into his human body. The accounts of this awareness are have been um, extraordinary, but you know getting back to this for me is when you get um so many children particularly but adults as well not only communicating with animals but communicating with plants and i've got a little video of a six-year-old explaining to his mother as he's holding a meteorite and he's saying um that the meteorite is telling him its origin how it feels and the mother says to him but how do you know, what? Um, how are you communicating with the meteorite? He says, it talks to me in my mind, is one of the ways he explained it. So for me, when you know, um, you're know you mentioning Alexis, what is the most significant um, that has impact on consciousness now? It's, it's all of it. It's those that are talking about their near-death experiences, their out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, they're channeling, connecting to their guides or their superconscious. All of these things, in uh, in a collective way, are human experiences telling us and showing us what reality is. The physicists can take their time to come to the party if they so choose, but I am talking to people who have these experiences, and they're experiences that are profound, that shift their awareness permanently. And fantasies and imagination are not part of that. This is a reality for them. And when you work in the way that I do and many others that are on this panel, you know, you sense, you feel the reality of consciousness because you understand that more that you connect to one another, the more that they're a reflection of you and your reality. And we are, I believe, creators of that or co-creators of that. So in terms of what's significant, what's significant is now, this is being at last more acknowledged by the, the scientists that are a little bit slow to come to the party, but are getting there as well. And that gives, of course, the consensus reality permission to believe in what they already know.
0: I love that. And I think that, again, what's relevant is this idea of panpsychism having been invented within that uh, group of folks coming to the party, that they are finally relenting even just a tad to this idea. I think it's irrefutable, frankly. We've known that. So exciting times indeed. Okay. Listen, talk about somebody's bailiwick. Let's move to my man, Anthony Peak. This is indeed your bailiwick. You are the man consciousness. Take it away, Anthony. I had to save you for last on this one.
1: Okay. My first reaction is the quotation by Marcello Trui, uh, an Italian skeptic, when he said, extraordinary claims need extraordinary proofs. My philosophy has always been on these things that I know people have extraordinary experiences. And I know for people, these experiences are very real. And one can argue that Reality is created by the observer anyway, and we know this from quantum physics and the collapse of the wave function. But for me, we have to, if we're wanting to involve the scientists and we're wanting to convince people, we have to look for the proof. Now, I'd say that in recent years, there's been a series of extraordinary discoveries within neurology and within neurochemistry, suggesting that the brain does not create consciousness and that consciousness is some way downloaded or received by the brain and the brain is a receiver not only that the brain is an attenuator in the sense it takes out information rather than gives information and for instance i was quite intrigued to discover there was a series of fascinating experiments that took place just down the road from here at the university of sussex whereby they discovered that when people take entheogens like uh, i think it was psilocybin was particularly the the uh, uh, the, the substance that was used they discovered that what happens is psilocybin actually breaks down the abilities, the brain's ability to communicate within itself because they thought it would be the opposite. They thought they would see evidence within the brain of, of the generation of hallucinations and these things. And they found quite the opposite. They found that the brain is stopped doing things, which is what Henri Bergson argued. It's what C.D. Broad argued. Um, and it was what Aldous Huxley argued. Now, on top of that, there's the work of Jimo Borjigin at the University of Michigan, who's been doing a series of experiments over recent years. And one of the most fascinating experiments was they did a series of experiments with uh, live rats. And they discovered for the first time that within the pineal gland of a live mammal, there is a substance called dimethyltryptamine. Now, as we know from the work of Rick Strassman, dimethyltryptamine is one of the most powerful hallucinogenic substances known to man. It would explain, therefore, the existence of things like the trace amine associated receptors in the brain, which are receptor sites in the brain that seem to be designed to work with dimethyltryptamine. Now, effectively, this means dimethyltryptamine is, is, is a neurotransmitter. Mm-hmm. Now, if this is the case, this suggests, as Strassman has said, that DMT an hallucinatory substance is our reality modulator. And again, it is the same kind of substance that seems to break down the brain's ability to take out information from the, the informational field we live in. I'd also like to make the final point that there was a guy called Tam Shumrat a few years ago that did a series of experiments with planaria worms whereby without going into great detail of the experiment, um, planaria worms can regrow a brain. And when they cut the, the heads off the planaria worms and made sure there was no blame material, and they taught the, the they had taught the worms to do certain things. When the brain was removed and a new brain was grown, those worms continue to have the same learning patterns that the original brain had had now this is extraordinary and it's powerfully extraordinary and it's very important because it suggests that again the brain does not get information in the way we think it is and this is why consciousness is absolutely central at its base level it is suggested that everything is consciousness everything is information in formation, as David Bohm said it. And these are the profoundly important areas that myself and my associates are working on at the moment. We are going to the physicist, we are going to the neurologist, we're going to the neurochemist, and we're using their science to say, look, the paradigm has to change. Your science, your materialist reductionist worldview, your eliminative material worldview no longer explains And as David Chalmers said in 1999, the hard problem of science is how inanimate matter inside my head. That is electricity reacting with chemicals can create me, you guys and everybody else that's listening to this, this particular podcast. These are the big questions and this is the future and this is going to make huge changes. And I think, as we've said earlier on, the issues we are experiencing now is the midwife for this. This is all going to change, and people are just going to start looking at these things in a far more precise and less doctrinaire way.
0: Absolutely eloquent, elegant, and brilliant. Not that I would expect anything less from you, sir. I remember briefly sitting uh, with uh, Nassim Harriman, another colleague of yours who's doing great work, and He spoke about how not so long ago, if you went to a a science conference, you couldn't even say the C word, let alone present anything on it. So again, uh, this relenting, albeit, is a a sign in a a positive direction. So I would love, uh, Anthony, to get more information. I know everybody in the audience, I'm sure, as well, about this experiment with the worms. If, if there's any data that perhaps you could uh, recommend for us to look at that is available, that would be great. So, oh yeah, and-
1: no, I've got, I, if you want to go onto my website, I've got the references to all these particular pa- cases and I'll put something up in the next couple of days as well about it on Facebook and uh, on Instagram as well, giving direct links to these direct papers because it is only by showing the evidence that we will progress. And I Absolutely. think this is the route we're going and there's an awful lot of young people, um, Post PhD and postdoctoral researchers that I work with at the moment that are doing extraordinary things, extraordinary work.
0: And you are catalyzing this in such a beautiful way for the rest of the world. So thank you so much. Okay. Well, I think it's time we take a little break. What do you say? So we're going to do that. I got a little bit of announcement. I'm being facetious. I've got a big announcement, journeyers. So Alex, I want you to take it away with our little announcement, and uh, you guys are going to get to see it for the first time. And when we come back, we'll talk about it for a minute. So let's take a break and let's roll that bot so you can see what I'm up to, what we're up to. This has been months in the making. The Higher Journeys you know and love is now even better. A brand new HigherJourneys.com website. Access all of our over 200 episodes on demand on video and audio podcast platforms right from your desktop or mobile device. Get Conscious Commentary Live episodes from our dedicated CC Live page. Our seasonal Conscious Commentary in the Garden episodes freshly picked each week. And of course, you can meet up and learn from our amazing roster of world-renowned guests from the Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks show. But that's just the tip of the iceberg announcing the brand new official blog of higher journeys but it's not just any blog we've assembled some of the world's leading experts all best-selling authors and names you know from the higher journey show to be our dream team senior contributors anthony peak cynthia sue larson mary rodwell penny pierce rob and trish mcgregor and pmh atwater You'll hear from them each week on the new Higher Journeys blog with their latest contributions, breaking news, inspirational ideas, and more. So head on over to the all new HigherJourneys.com and blog.hirejourneys.com. We are your sole source destination for personal transformation. Ta-da! There you have it. <laughs> there you have it. And I'm going to clap my hands and say thank you to each and every one of you. I can now do it probably for graciously accepting to officially join the Higher Journeys family. We're so looking forward to you. I, you know, I almost slipped Anthony and said, do you think you could maybe write a piece and put it on the new Higher Journeys? Oh, can't talk about it yet. Blog. So maybe we can keep up with that research vis-a-vis the blog, as well as your website, of course. So there you have yeah. it. Well, I'd I'm love sorry.
1: To, yeah. I was going to say I would love to because I'm writing a, a contributing chapter at the moment to a new book that the Society for Psychical Research is putting out in the end of the year, and I'll I'll put some things on there as well if you're interested. But we can discuss um, that.
0: We're interested. We're there. Thank you so much. We'll have a lot to talk about on that. Okay. Well, speaking of that, where I'm looking at this time, we're probably going to have to go a little bit quicker on this third question, but it's it's related to the blog. For each of you, what can readers of the Brand New higher Journeys blog uh, look forward to from your posts in the coming months? Let's go real quick. I'm going to take this in order. Let's see. PMH, real quick. Just tell tell us about what's happening and what we might be able to find on the blog in a minute or less. Everything. <laughs> of course.
5: <laughs> um, I'm not going to be specific because there are no specifics. Um, just open the door. I'm there. And flowing from that emergence will be whatever we need to hear at that moment. And I'll be as specific as I pro- possibly can. And I want to tell everybody right now that on my own blog, I'm going to have a special issue in September. So that's going to be out in about, oh, um, maybe one or two weeks. And uh, it is, um, let's see, what is it? http colon forward slash forward slash PMH at water dot blogspot dot com. Don't you love the memory? There um, it is. And um, you know, I have a, a free monthly newsletter that's going to be coming out in about a month or two, or, or a week or two. Um, so get on my website and sign up for it, you silly person. Um,
0: but they've got to do it through our blog.
5: It's for the curious. <laughs> and anybody who's curious will love my blogs and will love my newsletter and will, will love. Um, this new book I've just
2: started. Okay, you
0: have you have a heck of a a, you have a heck of a website and a heck of a newsletter, by the way. But guess what, I'm going to get to take some of that stuff and put it directly on the blog and i on on the higher journeys blog. So there will be a path to PMH, all things PMH. And and by the way, we have pretty close to the full catalog of each of your books all plural oh my gosh and such a colorful addition to each of your uh your your we have a page for each of you it's just it's fabulous so okay let's move on uh cynthia what can we look forward to on the higher journeys blog please some of it
2: it'll be yes uh hopefully interesting material related to mind and matter consciousness reality shifts quantum jumps and the mandela effect So all of these things come together, um, I think, beautifully with the subjects we're talking about today. And it's just what we need at this transformative time when human evolution is occurring in this great shift right before our eyes. Also, we're seeing transhumanism, the rise of AI, people concerned about the singularity. What I would say is there's no concern there. And I do touch on some of the physics behind what we're able to do, sort of our quantum superpowers, if you will and how we can stay current so there's no threat at all from robots, AI, all of that, quite the contrary. That's why a lot of this is happening right now so that we can awaken, I'll just call it our quantum superpowers, but they've been known as cities um, in the past. Uh, a lot of ancient techniques are well known. What you don't know them as are names like quantum eraser, EPR steering, quantum Zeno effect, Wigner's bubbles, but they all have wonderful applications. These are my areas of interest, and I'm sure I'll be getting into it for the blog.
0: Excellent. I know a lot of people, Cynthia, are still hankering for more about the Mandela effect. This is this is just something that continues to unfurl, perplex. You know, um, it's 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 great material for those that want to debunk. But nonetheless, it's not going anywhere. So we're looking forward to that. Okay, Penny, the intuition woman.
4: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I am really focused a lot on the mechanics of the transformation process and how it occurs and how to make it easier and what we're turning into and what how the perceptual shift is happening uh, and what it's going to be like after the shift. Like, how will we feel? How will reality be different? How will our sense of self and our identity be shifted? So I'm really feeling into that entire process and trying to write a kind of roadmap of that whole thing. And of course, intuition is a huge part of it and using your consciousness according to universal laws and principles. So that's what I like to write about. That's what you'll get.
0: And I know it'll be good absolutely great stuff. And by the way, everyone, PennyPierce.com. I know, Penny, you uh, just tweaked that website uh, not that long ago, and it's looking fabulous. And there's lots of great content there. So of course, we're going to have websites for everyone uh, listed in the description below as this airs. So I do encourage you to to visit each of our brilliant uh, Higher Journeys team members' websites, respectively. Okay. So who do we have here? Mary, Mary, What's what you're going to be writing about, girlfriend?
3: <laughs> oh, look, um, I, I'm in the moment. So um, what I'm doing really is sharing as much as I can of the individuals um, that are awakening or being activated right now and that they're. they're what's they're experiencing because as my main role is you know to support therapeutically those that are going through this shift this awakening trying to understand that the, the uh, awareness that they are being um, experiencing in a way that they can remain grounded and still operate as many are starting to see the two worlds um, and it, often it's very hard to be grounded. so i'll be talking about that and sharing stories that are coming up and particularly the uh, information from the children because for me it's supporting them is going to support our future so I'll be talking about some of the things the children are sharing about the new reality or the expanded reality that we're all part of so that we can start understanding from a a, uh, that wonderful inner wisdom what this all means and to to explain and, and help people understand that at the end of the day, it's all here. All we've got to do is really start accessing our own superconscious selves. So for me, it will be all of that as things unfold, and to keep the the sense of hope that is so um, that is missing on this planet that has been so become so fearful, and and to to hopefully. Bring that hope, that energy of light that um, we all need to keep us going. As you said many times, Alexis, you know that the sense of the children and, and my understanding of, of how they're going to make that help us make that shift in consciousness. Um, that is is what's needed more than anything now. Is yes, we have a future, and yes, we can we can do this. We can. Act, we've all agreed to be part of this. So my. In essence, it's about sharing what's going on from the people that are contacting me and the children that are telling me more about what we can do to make our new world, our new future, one that we all hope it to be.
0: I have been wanting to ask you, Mary, for so long. I mean, I I know you've obviously given us a lot of uh, information about some of the individuals, the young people that you've... uh, spent hours and days and weeks with to really get some insight into their their mindset their own consciousness and what they see and I would love to really probe that a little bit more I know we have to be sensitive when we're questioning children particularly in a public forum but I really hope that we can start to get even more you know for instance talking about their what is their purview about what's happening right now and I think we actually touched on that when you were on the show I think I've interviewed just about all of you uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, I believe, Uh, don't quote me, but I think so. And uh, Mary, you and I talked about that. What are the children saying from their wise and uh, just incredible perspective and unique perspective? So let's, I hope that we can get into that a little bit more. Okay, Anthony, once again, we kind of touched on what you might be contributing, but give us a couple little bit more tidbits, little teasers to the blog.
1: Okay. Well, at the moment, time I'm in under negotiations about doing my PhD by publication at one of the UK universities on a lot of the subjects I'm working on, which clearly shows that academia is starting to now sit up and listen to what I'm trying to say, which is a, which is great news. Um, but at the moment, I'm working on probably four different papers uh, with associate re- researchers, and the one that I'm particularly interested in that um, I'll be sharing with you as it develops is something that I'm tentatively calling at the moment the, um, the, the Cosmic Anthropic aggregorial Principle which is effectively bringing together the idea of quantum physics of the collapse of the wave function in the sense that we seem to collapse reality around us by our own anticipations. And anybody who's read my latest book, uh, The Hidden Universe, where I introduced the concept of the egregorial in terms of the others, that is, entities that people meet in dreams, lucid dreams, DMT dreams, out-of-the-body experiences, alien encounters. I argue that they're all part of the same extended phenomenon. And what I'm going to be doing is the science and neurology of this to try and find out exactly what parts of the brain are stimulated when these things take place, because I think that there is something profoundly important about this for instance i think that the role of the temporal lobes is there i think the idea of certain neurotransmitters in the brain which i've intimated before but what i will do is i'll keep everybody updated about this as much as i possibly can depending upon the the academic articles i'm writing and the periodicals that um, i'm i'm preparing the information for but i will i will keep everybody updated on this and i will blog regularly because everybody knows me knows i'm a, an inveterate blogger anyway and I, i'm writing continually so i'll be sharing this information with you guys as and when it comes to me.
0: That's excellent. Oh, boy. I know there's going to be some great reading there. Such diversity in all of you, and yet there's a common thread of optimism and just just pure brilliance, not to mention you all are really amazing writers, and I admire you so dearly. So I tell you what, we're going to have to, I think we got a good chunk of conversation, a lot for the journeyers to chew on in the days and weeks ahead So I'm going to bounce to final thoughts because we're over time. Uh, We could uh, clearly stay on two hours, but we don't have that. So I'm going to ask that each of you, uh, beginning with uh, PMH, give give us a minute or so, uh, final thoughts. And then we're going to close out for today. Final
5: thoughts. what i've been having to face this week is how many young people even going up into junior high and high school are committing suicide they're committing suicide because they're frightened because they feel they have no future Uh, because the the pandemic has um, reached the point where, for them, the future is blank. So that interests them, that scares them, that terrifies them, and that speaks to where I'm at. And where I'm at is looking at, at consciousness and where people are. You know, we can be very high and mighty and we can come up with these wonderful theories. But they've got to fit what pe- people can deal with and work with and handle. And right now, what I'm finding, believe it or not, is my latest book. The forever angels talking about children of near death experiences is speaking to those who want to commit suicide or feel driven to commit suicide because that, that for them, um, there's no way you can put this in any kind of place, and when they read that book, they realize that. of children between birth and the age of five who have a near-death experience either want or desire um, suicide throughout their life. You know, I mean, we can get as glorious as we want to on terms, but I'm looking at here and now. Why do they feel that way? Because they're homesick for heaven. Because our talking about consciousness, what consciousness is, is what they hunger for. And my dedication is to honor that and open up the doors to the reality that consciousness takes many forms, let's, let's open the doors to all those forms and bring them all in so that we can deal with it as the human family.
0: I'm taking a note and I had my microphone muted because I wanted to make sure I said this. This is why we're doing this, everyone, for those individuals, some of which I have heard from, who have in fact contemplated suicide and hopefully decided not to go through with it. There are myriad reasons up to this, we're here to four, uh, why people would want to go back home perhaps before their time. Well, it's, it's, you can argue that it's everything happens for a reason. Nonetheless, PMH, this is why we're here. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is, I have said, and I will reiterate, the subjects that we talk about are not for the sake of novelty. This is not an epiphenomenon of reality. This is, and the things that we talk about are the underpinnings of reality of which we are inextricably linked, and it's time to bring these conversations out, and that's why I am so... Absolutely, unequivocally grateful to have you here from the bottom of my heart, and thank you. Thank you, PMH. Okay, Cynthia, final thoughts, my dear.
2: Well, um, one of my favorite things about final thoughts is that if you think it's bad, then you know it's not the end. It's a challenge. And I've attended a lot of gatherings over the years with indigenous people, indigenous elders, linguists, scientists, um, through the Language of Spirituality conferences, and I heard about, this is 20 years ago, just an epidemic of teenage suicides within the indigenous cultures. So this has been ongoing for some time. It's very serious. So I I think a shift of perspective is always a gift if we're able to welcome it in and receive it. And listening deeply is the key to really feeling that sense of, change that's possible and really feeling that someone cares we can listen to levels of ourself and we can listen more deeply and learn to care so there are tools that we're talking about some of us have mentioned tools that will be available through the higher journeys and we will make sure that that's the case that people can learn to rise beyond what may seem like any kind of a barrier or an end and it doesn't need to be the end this is why my favorite question, which is a point of attention, much more than intention. It's how good can it get? Just leaving it open-ended and letting that be the guide by which we look at just everything, including what's happening right now, decisions we're looking at, what we're looking at in the future, possible opportunities, possible problems, and also when we look at the past. So. How good can it get? Is an invitation to recognize that there are levels of awareness capable of assisting us always. And if you think it's bad, it's not the end.
0: Thank you, Cynthia. This is uh, will continue to have new and even more uh, important meaning for me and purpose. That being this blog, really going to always going back to the drawing board or really adding. You know, having epiphanies along the way. I say, if this can be a not a forum, but a but a a place where people can come. Uh, some of the the, the uh, posts that we have, like from Anthony, may on occasion be a little bit more academic. Some may be a little bit more spiritually oriented uh, for the layperson. What we're going to have a little bit of something for everyone, but mainly for those that are looking for some semblance, some sort of, of support or place where they can come and and, uh, feel like it's not the end. So for sure. Okay. Penny, a final word, if you would, please.
4: Yeah. Final thoughts. I, I, um, I think we're experiencing a, a huge intensification of polarity and, uh, where things are at, and just the beginning right now of it really being obvious that we are going to see, um, extremism in terms of things getting very, very good for some people, seeing breakthroughs perhaps in, like, I don't know, energy crisis breakthroughs, uh, illnesses being healed, uh, new new things coming that we've been waiting for for a long time. And then also things going really badly and um, violence and all kinds of darkness coming as well. So Pete, we're in a bridge time, and like like PMH said, it's kind of the old and the new are sort of blending now, and we're we're starting to learn to leave the old and get into the new, and what does that feel like, and how do you stabilize? And I think the stabilization process is going to be extremely important, personally for people because the fear that's surfacing is very titillating, you know, and it is addictive because it's adrenaline producing. We have to give people alternatives to that so that they can make their way through this process, come out the other side and contribute to the world and to the new creativity that's coming. Because I do think we're about to have a huge, huge flood of innovation. But it's going to be so weird because really good, really, it's like, how do these things coexist at the same time? And it's gonna make a lot of people crazy. And I do think there will be suicides. I'm not sure that it's really a bad thing. I, it may be a compassionate thing in some ways. And then in other ways, I think we need to offer people the tools that they can use to not get so hopeless. So, um, so you know, that's, that's what I'm gonna aim for.
0: Thank you for that. I'm reminded of uh, the chapter of the, uh, one of the chapters of the book that I wrote in 2014, The Dichotomy of Consciousness and the Precipice of Change, that I sensed coming on, like many of you, years ago. 2014, we're living in dichotomous times. We're living a literal paradox of reality. And to me, what this means is an unequivocal, great shifting that's underway. The, the ancients talked about these characteristics as being indicative of this time. Let's try our best to articulate in a way that can be understood to those who otherwise wouldn't know what the heck we're talking about, that this is what's happening. And maybe if we can even save one life, um, not just save, but bring more best um, to one life, we will have uh, accomplished the mission. It's becoming emotional about this, but Mary, let's move on to you. Final thoughts, please.
3: My final thoughts. Well, my final thoughts are this. and PMH at well, water, thank you because I have talked to many of the children and teenagers that have had to that have spoken about wanting to leave um, because this isn't home. Um, they can't make sense of this planet. They can't make sense of why people treat each other the way they do and their reality is being dismissed as um, completely invalid. But the hope that has given me, and for them, all these new generations of children that are coming in, I wrote about in The New Human, where I thought the book would only be read by the weird and wonderful like myself, I am hearing from educators, child psychologists, psychiatrists, um people doing phds on spirituality with children for example and they're writing to me and they're saying what can you say, what can you tell us that we need to do to help these children how can we help the parents understand because many of those within these fields are these awakened generations of human as well And they're all coming together now and they're saying, how can we provide a new environment of love, support and caring for these children that I'm that they're accessing because they themselves have um, uh, been activated or awakened to their own um, future and what what their role is in all of this. The mere fact that I'm getting so much from mainstream that is saying, what can we do? To make a difference with these children and to help these children. This is the shift, the shift that mainstream can to see these children and realize their potential and what they've come here to do for humanity. So my message to everyone is our children know what they've come here to do and they know what's happening and they have access to their own source of super-conscious cells that have come in with a mandate. So even though it's going to be difficult, they know exactly what the challenges are. And for me, it's all about now us recognizing this. And when you have a midwife tell you, I've come in to midwife the new children, a nurse that's saying, I'm coming to do the healing and energy work. And a psychiatrist saying to me, Mary, I want to help these children. Then it's happening and it's real. And there is our hope no matter what else goes on, hang on to that, because it is
0: how it is. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I love it. We're getting somewhere, folks. It's been a slow slog, but we're getting there. Very inspirational. Anthony, I'm going to have you close it out with your final thoughts sir.
1: We live in extraordinary times. But I'd argue that many civilizations in the past, many cultures in the past, even within Western civilization, every generation thinks they live in extraordinary times. We do, because the circumstances on planet Earth are getting intolerable. We have climate change. We have so many difficulties facing us at the moment. And again, the discussion I was having with a friend of mine today is that there are a small group of us that are trying to work together in different ways to facilitate change in one way or another. You guys have your approaches which are profoundly important because it's it's helping people nurture and deal with these things. From my point of view, what I'm trying to do is to actually change the way in which society thinks The way in which society trapped within this materialist reductionist issue. Now, materialist reductionism is a profoundly important development in terms of science. We are communicating because of material reductionism breaking things apart in order for them to understand how they work. But we can only get so far with that. As soon as we get down to the quantum level, we actually end up with fields, we we end up with objects communicating at distance. We, we have lots of things that make absolutely no sense. But it's a time that we now need to be bringing those things together because we have the wonderful opportunity now and as been said before, you know, we've got AI developing, we've got virtual reality developing, we've got the ongoing awareness that the true nature of reality is, in effect, information at its basic format. These are the areas that we need to take forward because humanity has to move and we have to evolve. We cannot stay where we are. And it is a profoundly important time. And I think we have great responsibilities on our shoulders but nobody if we can't do it nobody else will so we have to work on it and that's my plan for the future as best i can
0: your efforts have been right you know what let's let's give a round of applause let's give a round of applause for everyone let's do it anthony you too this has just been phenomenal has exceeded my wildest expectations but i always say have goals but let go of expectation so you can allow the best to come in and this has been the best you guys thank you ever so much thank you everyone uh in closing i want to mention we're we're missing a couple folks just so you know anthony you are not the sole male in the on the higher journeys team (laughs) rob mcgregor who's trish mcgregor's other half like i said they they're off uh celebrating birthday with their daughter but uh I just want to give a shout out to them. And I know that the, their contributions will be great as well. Collectively, uh, this is just this is magic to me. So again, I want to thank each and every one of you. Listen, everyone, before we close out, I want to just say, um, I believe that we have done an after show with everybody on this panel on our Patreon platform. So I would encourage you, if you haven't already, and this is an, a wonderful way to support Higher Journeys, Uh, to help us continue to go and grow and do do the thing. (laughs) So uh, we would appreciate that. Go on over to patreon.com forward slash higher journeys and check out the after shows that we've done. I believe with each and every one of you and more, we have Billy Carson and and, uh, Sonia Grace, Whitley Strieber, Daryl Anka, Bashar uh, and much, much more. So we would appreciate it. So I think that's about it guys. One last thing. If you like what you saw today, there's a lot more where that came from, but you will only know about it if you subscribe to Higher Journeys on YouTube. So we would also be very grateful if you would do that. Hit the like button, smash that like button, click the bell all these little prompts that we're asked to do i always get a kick out of talking about this because this is just par for the course but we would appreciate it so thanks for that all right i'm going to sign off for now let's put everybody back on the screen so they can wave bye bye and uh, we'll be talking to everyone soon again thank you everyone (laughs) thank you journeyers be safe and know there's always somewhere to go always someone to talk to we're here for you uh, this is exciting. These are exciting times. Let's uh, let's focus on the excitement. I know we will make it through this. God bless you. I love you. Take good care.
2: <laughs> love you lots.